podcast where we bring together coaches, athletes, former athletes, leaders, and influencers. Everyone has a story, and my hope is that when you listen to their stories, you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day. Today's guest is Chris Richardson. Coach Richardson is an assistant coach at Central Missouri. We talked to him today about being a servant to your players and your coaching staff, how to invest in your players for their growth and yours as well, and that when we work with people, we need to empty our tanks. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you, man. Great to be here. Looking forward to this. You've had uh, a lot of great guests and uh, might not ever live up to, to some of the things those guys <laughs> have been able to accomplish, but it's been awesome to, to listen to uh, just as someone who, who loves to, to listen to things like this and, and try to learn. And, and um, you know, it's, it's certainly an honor to be a part of it. Coach, you may accomplish more. Who knows? And so that's kind of the whole deal here. We get your story out there, find out who you are. And then one day we'll look back and say, man, I can't even get him to call me back. He's so big time now, uh, you know, championships later, you know, and private jets later, all that good stuff. Uh, so, Coach, and I appreciate you coming on, man. And, and I feel like uh, we want genuine people here. We want authenticity here. And I think that's what we get, you know, from every guest. And so here again, I appreciate your time, Coach. So uh, how were you introduced to the game coming out of Charleston, West Virginia? Well, it was, uh, I, I had a pretty unique childhood. So it was, uh, you know, I had great parents who, uh, you know, always supported my brother and I grew up, uh, you know, in a typical two parent, uh, two kid household, uh, until my parents got divorced when I was, I think, 11. And, uh, you know, so growing up, it, it was just something we did. We, we, we played outside, uh, and whatever season was in, that's what we were playing. So if it was football season, you know, we, we're in the neighbor's backyard playing uh, playing football. If it was basketball season, you know, we'd go down to the local park and, and play basketball. Um, you know, you had to stay on the court. Uh, the only way you stay on the court was to win. So yeah. getting to play on the playground growing up. Um, and then, you know, my dad, from the time, about as far as I can remember, was really involved uh, coaching at the youth level just at our church just because he loved being in the gym, being around the game, and um, not what he ever did for a career uh or not what he does now he kind of i think he kind of lives through our team uh here but uh you know just just being around my dad and going to practices with him you know once a week with the with the youth level at the at the church and um you know him later coaching for me you know my life just it always revolved around sports and so um i never felt any pressure to you know choose one sport or the other but Along the way, somewhere basketball just kind of became my favorite. I was probably better at baseball, uh, yeah. honestly, playing. But uh, uh, basketball is the one that I loved. And, and so we're always around it. Saturday mornings with lunch Mountaineers in the Atlantic 10. Um, yeah. Then when they moved to the Big East, watching watching some great teams come through there, obviously, growing up. So I was introduced to it at a young age and, and kind of got that bug. And, um, you know, it has been a very central part of my life ever since. Good deal, Coach. I, you know, your your uh, story kind of mirrors mine in that my dad did the same thing. He volunteered, he volunteered a lot of time 
my dad has a lot of sweat equity with people. And I believe that's where I got it from. Uh, my dad has a lot of emotional equity with people, relationship equity with people. And I know that's where I got it from. And it all did start in our church. And it all came through just helping young people. And my dad does the same thing. He, he now kind of lives through, uh, as, a, as a dad, kind of lives through the dream of hearing these podcasts. He loves it. He loves it. And, and I know, Dad, you're listening, so I love you and I appreciate you. So, yeah, Coach, I, I uh, completely sympathize with that and know exactly what that's like. So with that being the case, Coach, what was your experience like as a player? Uh, you know, in a word, I'd probably say limited, uh, just being completely honest. Uh, oh. You know, I, I kind of peaked at, uh, at around 14 or 15. I was I was one of the bigger kids and uh, haven't grown a whole lot since. So yeah. being a post player, uh, about the size that I am now, at 14 or 15, uh, pretty evident, pretty clear that um, I was not going to have much of a playing career beyond, you know, what I had done at that point. So, um, you know, but, but but one thing that stands out just from playing, not just not just basketball, but again, all sports growing up, uh, was, was how awesome it was to be on a team. And yeah. I think that's what I really got got bit by was that bug of being a teammate being part of a team and this is 100 percent gospel truth some of the teammates that i had when i was 13 14 years old we have been friends ever since and, and yeah. we still talk every day we live all over the country um you know all doing different things one lives in iowa one lives in maryland one's still in west virginia uh, a couple of them still in west virginia one's in hawaii you know and, and uh you know one's in north carolina so we we still talk every day, uh, wow. you know, whether it's text or, or whatever. So the the biggest experience I had as, as a player um, was being part of a team and being a teammate. And I love that. And, um, you know, accepting early that uh, I was not going to be a star player at the college level. I was not going to be a pro. Um, you know, I, I remember that feeling and it was difficult to deal with at the time, but I think it was key because I, I figured out pretty quick that, if I wanted to stay around sports, I was going to have to find a different way to do it than, than being on the field or on the floor. So, yeah. um, and my high school coach really helped me with that. Um, you know, told me I'd have the ability to, to be a coach one day. So, um, I, I believed him. He might have been trying to be nice, uh, but, uh, you know, he, he had a huge impact on me. So, being part of a team and then just the, the, the love of basketball that emerged, um, you know, it's my favorite sport. Those are probably the biggest things that I got as a player. Yeah, Coach, and if you're good with people, uh, you're good in a lot of settings. And none more than a team setting. If you're good with people, man, you'll be able to, you know, just work with others to get better every day. And that I think that's something that when we were young, we didn't think about we want to get better every day. You know, we were thinking, yep. hey, I want to go hang out with my buddies. And then afterwards, we're going to drink some Gatorades or Capri Suns or some oranges yep. or whatever, you know what I mean? Like that's that's kind of what we looked forward to. But, you know, being a part of team con concept really helps you to navigate through interpersonal relationships and how to actually work in a group. And so, yeah, I, I completely understand what you're saying and how your coach as well, high school coach, kind of helped you to understand, you know, maybe there is a potential for you to do something in this field 
would you consider that maybe what influenced you to go into coaching or was there some somewhere else down the line where where you thought hey yeah this is it right here how, how did that transpire well i had very positive role models growing up um when it came to leadership you know i already mentioned my parents um you know my grandfather like i said i had an interesting interesting childhood um my, my mom's dad my grandfather uh actually was a two-term governor of West Virginia, once wow. in the 50s, and then once again uh, in the 90s. And so, um, you know, he wasn't a huge sports guy. He'd watch games, and, and he was always at our games. Uh, you know, when my brother played growing up a little bit, and I played growing up, him and my grandmother come watch us. Um, but seeing how he led, um, just being a leader, and, and seeing how he was able to work with people from – all different sorts of backgrounds and, and seeing the respect that he treated them with the class that he operated with. That to me was a, was an eye opener. And my dad's a lot the same way, you know, um, he was involved. He was on city council, uh, back there in our hometown when I was a kid. And, and again, uh, recently, but, uh, you know, so being around leaders, being around people that, that, that wanted to bring the best out of others around us, uh, you know, that I knew I wanted to do something leadership wise. Um, I had unbelievable youth coaches that I looked up to in all sports. Um, you know, the names, Bill Patterson, Jonathan Carpenter, uh, Chuck Baker, th those guys aren't household names in coaching uh, because they're, you know, they, they, they impact lives in other ways. One's an engineer, uh, one's a retired military man, the other one's a teacher. Um, wow. But those guys all had such a huge impact on me uh, because of the positive example they set. Um you know, and, and again, I've been talking about my dad again. So I was around great leaders, whether it was my grandfather, my dad, uh, you know, my youth sports coaches, my pastors, teachers were huge, um, even though I wasn't a very good student, just continuing yeah. to believe in me. So yeah. um, that was kind of influencing me to get, you know, find a way to get into leadership. And I wanted that to be coaching. I wanted that to be basketball. So, uh I found a way in college to kind of stay around the game. I was actually a, a student reporter at a company called the Blue and Gold News. Um, back 15, 16 years ago, it was affiliated with the old scout.com. So wow. I covered West Virginia basketball mainly and, and football as well uh, for them. So being around John Beeline's teams, you know, some of those great teams that he had West Virginia when I was yeah. in college getting to know those guys, seeing how connected they were, getting to watch practice, even though I didn't really know what was going on. Um, you know, I, I was able to be around the game. I was able to be around some great Big East basketball teams. I'd, I'd sneak into the Coliseum and, you know, try to watch the visiting teams, just yeah. to watch Jim Beheim or Jay Wright or some of those great coaches in the Big East yeah. um, at that time, you know. Uh, so there's always something I wanted to do. I just didn't know how I was going to do it. Yeah. And, uh met a guy named Chris Wallace while I was working there at the Blue and Gold News, who uh, at the time was the GM of the Celtics. He's been with the Heat. He's been with the Knicks. And uh, he ended up being with the Memphis Grizzlies and uh, for a long time. So Chris was probably the guy who helped me break through. Uh, he invited me to dinner, just kind of a courtesy one night. I had done a story with him about some uh, – well, you probably remember Kevin Pitsnoggle, the, the yeah. big 6'11 yeah. guy that led them to the Elite Eight, and Mike Gansey, who's now the assistant GM of the Cavs. Um, was a great player on those teams. Yeah. So Chris was in town to uh, 
to kind of scout them, I think. And, and uh, I got to met, I got to meet him a little bit. And then he came back the following year uh, after those guys were gone to watch uh, a couple guys for UCLA, uh, young freshman point guard they had at the time named Russell Westbrook, who, who was backing up uh, their star, Darren Collison. Wow. Um, you know, some of the other guys, those guys had. So Chris was there, uh, invited me to dinner. And uh, I just decided, you know what, like, I'm never, ever going to be at dinner with an NBA general manager again. So I need to tell this guy, like, all right, this is this is what I really want to do. You know, yeah. I, I know you, you see me as a reporter, but I, I want to get involved in basketball. I want to be a coach. Um, and, and anything you can do to help me. I figured the worst thing you could do is tell me no. Um, you know, and, and he, he was all in and, and uh, helped me a ton. Uh, helped me get, it, get down to Memphis as an intern when he joined the Grizzlies. Yeah, and uh, even even helped me uh, get into Division Two um, when I got done interning in Memphis. Helped me get in with with Tim Murphy at Fairmont State, a guy that he knew from from his hometown. So, kind of influences. Obviously, every coach I've worked for has been a major influence on me, um, and even some other coaches that I haven't worked for that I consider mentors. So, um, there wasn't any one person, you know, but but it was a, it was an example of leadership set by my youth coaches. Uh, the leadership that I was around growing up, seeing how my, my parents and my granddad operated and, uh, you know, my love for the game. I'd, I'd say all those things and then um, kind of betting on myself that night at dinner, letting letting Chris Wallace know that, um, hey, I, I want to do this and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to do it, work for free, whatever it takes. Yeah. Just just give me a shot or help me get a shot. So it's a combination of things. Great story, Coach. I mean, that's uh... – that's why this platform exists because people think sometimes like we talked about prior on the phone about uh, kind of how people get into this whole profession into just wanting to coach period. Sometimes, uh, you know, this, you know, there's these divine appointments that take place. And then, like you said, you got to shoot your shot as the kids say, <laughs> and uh, you know, win, lose or draw, you shot your shot. And uh, you know, what a, you know, you miss, you only miss the, you know, or I forget how it goes about the shots you don't take are the only ones you you don't miss or whatever. You miss you know, 100% of the shots you don't take. You don't take, yeah. So, you know, and, and and that's kind of like the idea for us is like you said, like you said, betting on yourself. Uh, how how uh, confident are you in who you are? There's a lot of coaches that don't put themselves out there uh, for kind of obvious reasons for those who are around them. Uh, but for the most part, they don't really want what they say they want. They just want the title. And, uh, you know, that's where I think we as coaches really need to be self-aware to understand that when we get an opportunity and we know we can do something about it, uh, not just the panage of something, uh, to really, you know, go for it, shoot your shot, guys. You know, that's that's a great story, Coach. So that experience you had as an intern with the Memphis Grizzlies coach, how did that help you and serve you uh, for the future for whatever you were about to, you know, kind of see as a coach? Yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome, man. And, you know, obviously in, in 2008, the Grizzlies weren't a, uh, they weren't, they weren't yet what they would later become. Yeah. And uh, so when I got down there, coach, it, it was, it was not long. It was, it was weeks after they traded Pau Gasol. Okay. Wow. Um, and, and, if you remember, you know, he was pretty much all they had. 
and yeah. a big cornerstone to that franchise, not just on the floor, but I mean, he was Mr. Memphis. He was very involved at St. Jude, very involved in the community. And, and uh, you know, the Grizzlies are such a source of pride for Memphis. And he was the biggest part of that. So they, they had traded him and, uh, you know, he went to the Lakers and, and, and they were playing in the finals, um, you know, right right after I got I got to town so it's like all the bad memories from the trade you know weeks and months earlier had, had, had come back and so you know if you remember at the time that trade was lampooned um, Chris was just getting hammered by the media um, you know because because of the, the short-term impact that it had not just on the Lakers but on the league as a whole yeah and um, the reality was they had to do something to to set the future course of direction for that franchise and um it was a delayed gratification trade for them yeah and in the and you know with Powell there they were winning 20 to 25 games with him gone they were going to win 20 to 25 games so what they got in return um with the cap space and the rights to Powell's older brother Marcus all who nobody knew how good he was at the time and I didn't either yeah. Um, I'd seen him play in high school when he was, you know, overweight and ran from three point line to three point line shooting threes. Yeah. And uh, you know, turned himself into obviously a probably a Hall of Fame player and now yeah. a world champion. But so just being able to see the other side of that, how Chris had this plan, he had this grand vision, and the short term wasn't gonna affect that long term vision. Um, you know, that was a huge lesson for me early in how important it is to have a vision have a plan to execute that vision. And, you know, it sounds so cliche because everybody says it now, but trusting the process of that plan. And he took a lot of heat for it personally, but the payoff for that franchise was unbelievable. It altered the course of basketball in that city. Um, They had a great run, you know, and now they're rebuilding again. But uh, what they got out of that trade long-term was was major. And um, so – I didn't see all that coming, you know, at the time. Um, but I saw, hey, man, he really believes in this plan. And, uh, you know, he's willing to he's willing to stand up and take some heat for it because it's what he believes in and, and knows that um, the down the road results are going to be better because of it. You know, I worked a lot with the PR department. Um, that was kind of my main job during the day is, is working alongside the media relations team and, um, you know, covering draft workouts, that was pretty cool to see yeah. some of those guys come through there and work out, and keeping notes on the workouts and statistics every now and then. And then um, just the amount of work that pros put in is unbelievable. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about players. I'm talking about coaches, too. Those guys were meeting, you know, like it was like it was the day before the first practice. Um, They're talking about plans for Mike Conley. Uh, they're talking about plans for this guy, plans for that guy. So, you know, it was it was awesome. And, and the coolest thing was, you know, Chris, again, he, he opened his home to me. Uh, he had an upstairs kind of separate apartment that that, uh, that I stayed in for that summer. And, um, you know, so at night he would give me a list of guys that we were going to watch that night. And we'd bring some DVDs home from the film room and we'd watch these draft prospects. And he t- kind of showed me how he evaluated guys, but he wanted – feedback from me too and allowed me to go through that evaluation process and really learn how to evaluate players um you know from a guy who was really good at it and uh you know so the the time that he gave me the 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 investment that he made in me and my growth just in that short time as an intern 
not just him, Tony Baroni Sr., um, you know, was unbelievable. Kenny Washington, the Eggman, legend in basketball, um, you know, who, who both of those guys have, have passed on. Um, but, but they were, they were great, you know, always taking time to answer my stupid questions and, yeah. and talk to me about this or that. Mark Ivoroni was the head coach. You know, he'd always ask me stuff about the history of the game. He knew that I loved to study the game. So the, the, the experience was incredible and uh, got to meet a lot of great people and, and kind of see the, the seeds being planted for a, a franchise that was, that was going to be prosperous in the future. Um, and so it was really cool. It wasn't just cool when I was there. It was really cool to be watching those games on TV years later where those same guys were part of that plan. We're blossoming into a playoff team and a team that's competing for the Western Conference Finals and made the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, no, Coach, a lot to unpack there with that. And that was just a wealth of knowledge, information, experience, and also concepts. You know, you talked about kind of the short-term, long-term, the micro, the macro, uh, all those things, you know, trusting the process of what you're really doing, whether anybody else sees it or not. Uh, you know, those are things that, you know, even coming down to how to evaluate guys, that really serves every coach well uh, because I think that's, you know, that's your job. You know, at the end of the day, when you're, when you're out yep. there, when you're on the road, they're recruiting, uh, you got to trust your eyes and not just, you know, not just or maybe not even the rankings or your ears. You really got to trust what you're seeing and know what you're looking for. So, you know, here again, Coach, great experience and great story because that's uh, – you know, all of us could use that kind of experience, uh, but if not, we'll learn from yours. So that, you know, here again, that's why we do what we do here. So, Coach, having served in multiple programs like you have and at different levels, uh, what do you feel like you have to bring to the table on a daily basis at Central Missouri to help fulfill the vision of your head coach? Because every assistant coach, every Dobo, every, you know, grad assistant, everybody, has to kind of be on the same page as the head coach. So what are you bringing daily to, to help him with that? Well, I think you nailed it um, when you said serve. And, and that is that is the key word for all of coaching is you're a servant. You're a servant to, um, you know, bigger picture of the game. Uh, you're certainly a servant as an assistant coach to your head coach. Uh, and, and most importantly, you're, in a, you're, you're a servant to your players. Yeah. And, and – um, you know, that can be through different ways. It's, it's helping them, you know, learn how to guard a down screen, but it's also maybe helping them, you know, learn how to study, um, helping them learn how to manage their time. Um, you know, so, so I think every day as an assistant coach, your number one job is to serve, um, serve your players, serve your fellow coaches, serve your athletic department, serve your school. Um, you know, a place like this where, where our school is a big part of the town, you also have to serve your community. Um, you know, I, I think it's important as an assistant to be reliable, to be open. Uh, one one of the best things about my boss, uh, Coach K, we call him Doug Carlson, who's been a very successful head coach at two different programs. And, uh, you know, he, he really drives a collaborative process within our coaching staff and within our program. Um, he's a great listener. He's always willing to take your input, even if he's not going to, at the end of the day, agree with that. Um, you know, and it, and it empowers you to continue to study, to continue to grow, uh, to continue to find things that you think are going to work for your team. And, um, so trying to be reliable for him, uh, to, you know, to, to hold up my end of that collaborative process is a, 
is a daily responsibility. Um, obviously, you got to have energy. You got to be enthusiastic. You can't get too high. You can't get too low. You're always setting an example for your players with that. Um, so I think bringing that energy and that enthusiasm without getting over the top um, or, or way too low, uh, you know, is a, is a responsibility as well. Um, and I said earlier, I've learned from every head coach I've been with, um, and they're all—they're not only you know great coaches and mentors; they're all—they've all become great friends. And so, um, Doug is a guy that I'd worked with early in my career, taught me a lot about being an assistant coach when we worked together for a year as assistant coaches at Arkansas Tech. Um, I was a volunteer and, uh, he just kind of showed me the ropes on how to be an assistant coach as my second year in coaching. So, um, being able to work with one of your best friends every day is awesome. But yeah. what's even cooler is, is when he, he drives that collaborative process and, um, you know, you feel like what you're saying and, 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 and what you're bringing to the table every day is, is going to help your team. Um, and so getting to work with great people every day is a, is a big thing, but, but there's, there's still a responsibility you have to uphold as an assistant coach. And, you know, I, I try to do that every day and, and uh, try to be better at that every day than I was the day before. Great stuff, Coach, because I've always known, uh, you know, to help fulfill your vision of what you want to do one day, it requires you to help somebody else first. Uh, and that, you know, fulfill their vision uh, is just the way it is. Uh, there's kind of that that order in life, especially in coaching. Uh, you don't you don't just come up through the ranks and, you know, unless, you know, you've been very fortunate and blessed and you're a head coach right out the box. Great. Good for you. I've never heard of it, quite honestly. But, uh, you know, the reality is wherever we start, we're, we're helping somebody to fulfill something. And then we, we aspire and have visions of this, that, and the third. Uh, how hard we work for them at that moment could possibly determine how hard people are going to work for us one day. And so uh, I, I, you know, I just, I, lo- I love that idea, Coach, of just serving. So I have, uh, you know, really an idea of what college coaches go through having done this for so, you know, for a good amount of time now and knowing coaches like I have for so long in, in a, you know, in a personal way, sitting down with them, talking with them. But, Coach, finish this sentence for me. The life of a college coach is? The life of a college coach uh, is rewarding. Yeah. Um, you know, it's rewarding because of the people that you meet, uh, having the opportunity to mentor, having the opportunity to be a part of someone's growth. You know, those are very big years for growth, uh, your years in college. And, um, you know, to do that, you have to invest in them, not only yeah. for their growth, but for your own. And uh, so I would say the life of a college coach is rewarding. Is it? Is it? Uh, is it mundane? Is it is it routine in terms of nine to five? No, not exactly. Um, you know what you're getting into. There's a lot of late nights. There's a lot of early mornings. Um, you know, there's 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 wins and losses, obviously, but there's also ups and downs that, that go on with your practices, with uh, you know guys that might be struggling academically, um, guys that might be going through something, uh, you know, in their personal life, and you having to be there as, as a listener and, uh, and a mentor to kind of help them along. Um, but, uh, but above all, it's, it's rewarding and, uh, it's rewarding because if, if you put, it's like a lot of things in life, if you put everything you got into it, then you're going to get so much more out of it. And so, um, I look at it as, as, as rewarding because 
the people that, that I've gotten to meet on my journey and that, that I'm going to get to meet uh, for the rest of this journey. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough those nights where you lose games and you're, you're up all night trying to figure out ways to get better and, and help your team more. And, um, you know, why, why on earth did I suggest this as an assistant coach? Why on earth did I put this in the scout? You know, things like that. But above all, it's, it's rewarding. And if you focus on that, if you focus on the positive and the opportunity to, to help young men, um, you know, grow personally and, and, and athletically and, and, uh, you know, set them up for life professionally after basketball, especially, um, then you're going to get a lot out of it in return that, that isn't why you do it, but it's, but it's a great side benefit is, is what you get out of it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think every kid deserves your best from Definitely. a coaching standpoint. Yeah. Um, you know, your best, your best in terms of teaching, your best in terms of preparation, but they really deserve your best from a relationship standpoint. And so, uh, the great thing about basketball is, Typically, you got about 15 guys. You know, I don't know how football coaches do it. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 53, you know, on, I think that's the NFL number, and then, you know, hundreds on college teams, over 100. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's rewarding to answer your question. Fantastic, Coach. Yeah. Uh, I think about, I mean, I grew up playing football all my life, and I love the game. I really do. I just don't love teaching it, uh, put it that way. Basketball was the game that I I was really good at too, but I love teaching it. It's a difference. Uh, leadership is leadership, but at the end of the day, man, you got to lead. Like you're talking about 100, you know, guys, and then you talk about staff and all the things that come along with it. That's pretty tough, but I imagine that's rewarding as well. I imagine that everything, you know, the experiences you've had uh, kind of go concurrent with that, and uh, that's so great, Coach. I mean, because if you think about people – like we talked about even beforehand too about relationships and you think about what they mean, not just to you, but to somebody else and to maybe other people in the, in the future. Uh, how are you giving them your all? How are you uh, kind of connecting with them and to, you know, helping their lives be better in any way, shape or form that you can. So great stuff, coach. I, I really do like your perspective on that, on the, on the life of a college coach. So, you know, here again, the life of a college coach, how important is your family's well-being in this whole process, Coach? Yeah, that's uh, that's something I've continued to adjust to, um, and, and you know, an area that I got to continue to grow in. Um, you know, my wife is an absolute rock star. Uh, she grew up; her dad coached about every sport you can think of uh, when she was growing up. Football, he played college football um, at Dayton, so he, he coached football, he coached wrestling. Wow. coach softball coach basketball so she kind of knew a little bit about it yeah. um you know just from growing up around it and, and uh you know it's crazy i actually met her uh through basketball it's crazy where this ball will take you man and um yeah you know she was a tv reporter for a local tv station uh in west virginia that that covered fairmont state and uh i'd met her earlier at the conference tournament uh when i was coaching at the university of charleston but just in passing just mutual friends group Hey, how you doing? Oh yeah, this is Katie. Okay. Um, but I, I met her, uh, you know, really got to talk to her for the first time. Um, when I was coaching at Fairmont state and was, uh, at a tailgate at the football game and she walked right by me and I tried to, tried to shoot my shot and <laughs> didn't get a, certainly didn't get a make. It was more like an air ball. Um, <laughs> but, uh, happens, you know, coach. It happens. <laughs> yeah. Yep. She, she eventually, uh, 
I think out of pity gave me a date and um <laughs> take it here take we it. are you know yep yep <laughs> here we are eight years later it. with uh with a 10 month old and, and been married for a couple of years been together um pretty much since that season so awesome. um but but so so it's not just about you you know anymore when you get into it and you're you're single and and um you know it's all about you but but now it impacts other people and so um that's something i continue to adjust to she's you know, I always tell her she's the she's the head coach of our household. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm an assistant coach from home too. So, um, you know, when I'm making big decisions or, or you know have things I need to get off my chest, she's great at listening. Uh, even though it's my decision, um, at the end of the day, she's she's great at giving her input when I ask for it. Um, and and you know, I, I kind of knew things were going to be great when we haven't been dating, but for a few months when I got the call to, to uh, come down to Delta State. Uh, in August of 2011, and um, she grew up an hour away from where she was living at the time. She had a great job, um, and you know she gave all that up to come with me. And so that was wow. empowering um, because that showed me that she believed in me uh, as a coach and, and and as doing this as a career. So um, gave up a lot of comfort to, to go to a place where. She didn't know anybody. I only knew a couple of people um, and, uh, you know, gave that up to, to come with me. And, you know, she works in our athletic department at Delta State. Um, she works in our athletic department here. We've been blessed. We, we get to see each other occasionally throughout the workday. Uh, she'd tell you I'd come down and bother her too much while she's trying to get work done. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's important to, to have people that you love to share it with. And, yeah. and obviously, um, you know, adding a child to that mix within the last year, um, it's it's even more important to to focus on their well being when you make decisions and, and what is best you know for their quality of life. Uh, how can I get better there? Where am I coming up short? Um, you know, and, and how can I include them? And so um, I've tried to include her and, and my son Corey, um, you know, around our team. Any opportunity we get, whether it's team dinner, uh, you know, having the guy over here and there. Or, you know, now that we have more space, hopefully we can get the whole team over here soon. Um, they're gonna have to watch out. We got toys everywhere, but uh, <laughs> it, it's it certainly changed your perspective and, and uh, just how you approach things um, when, when it's more than just you. And it's uh, you know Greg White, who was a longtime college coach, University of Charleston, Marshall University. Um, you know he told me, "You're on the team at home too, man. You, you're 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 on a team when you go home, and if you want to be good." If you want to be a good coach, you got to be a good father. You got to be a good, you know, husband, um, because there, there's a lot of similarities. And so, yeah. um, being good in the people business doesn't stop. Just, nope. just, just want to get home. I've got to be good with. I got to be really good with them. Yeah, you got to be the best um, there. So it's, it's been different. Um, uh, you know, throwing a kid in the mix, but it's been, it's been. I go back to that word, rewarding, and uh, oh. look forward to see where, where this goes as, as our family, you know, potentially grows down the road and. And, uh, and having them with me for part of the journey. Coach, uh, you're saying a lot of truth there. And, and the one I want to give you a nugget and any coaches listening, young coaches who are married, and maybe other guys have been married for a while, have been married 16 years, and have four kids. And, and uh, you know, the best advice I give every father is, uh, you know, you want to do the best thing you can for your child because we constantly sometimes think more of our kids than we do of our spouses. Uh, but now that one's in the mix for you, best thing you can ever do for Corey, coach, 
is love your wife, man. Do that. Everything will be good uh, because that's how you're going to get through raising that, these children, you know, is just loving your wife. Uh, like you said, man, she gave you a pity date. Least you can do is just love her for the rest of your life. And, uh, you know, you'll be good, coach. That's just kind of something. I'll just throw that out there because I feel like maybe somebody needs to hear that. Uh, but no, absolutely. So, so I appreciate, great. Yeah, I appreciate you kind of going through all that. Now, what have you learned about yourself throughout your career? Because you talk about growth and how you've grown through the process of investing in players and, 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 the, and the like. So how have you done that, Coach? Uh, what have you learned about yourself? Um, you know, I, I, I kind of told you about my granddad and, and, and growing up. And, um, you know, I could have easily, I think, um, found a job at home and, you know, worked a nine to five and, and, and provided and, and, you know, had a good life, had a good, comfortable life. And, um, you know, I thought about that. I had, I, heck, I had opportunities to stay in sports writing. I had some chances to, you know, go, go work in communications and, um, you know, things like that. But, um, it really, like I said, it, it wasn't, wasn't what I wanted to do. And, and I definitely, didn't want to get something handed to me and yeah so when I decided to get into coaching um I knew that I was getting from it whatever I put into it and yeah. and, and that it was a hundred percent going to be um on my ability to develop on my ability to learn and grow um and build those relationships that, that would ultimately determine you know if this was going to be a career and so what I've learned about myself that I that I didn't quite grasp when I was growing up, I wasn't very mature, um, you know, was not a good student, not, uh, not because, you know, I was dumb, but I, I wasn't invested. I didn't put any time into it. I did basically the bare minimum. Um, and, uh, was just trying to get through, just try to show up and get through. And so, yeah. uh, getting into this and making a career of it, uh, now as we're in year number 12, you know, it, it really, it was a lesson to me that when you fully give yourself up and invest yourself in something that you love and something that you really want to do, then that reward for doing that is going to come back so much greater than the initial investment. Yeah. And I don't know if I would have ever learned that if I had gotten into coaching. No. Um, you know, it, 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 it's something that I didn't learn through school because I didn't put, I didn't invest in it. And, uh, you know, so, when people ask me, how do you get around not playing? You know, how, how, do, how do you answer players ask you, well, you didn't play? Well, I, you're right. I didn't play at the college level. Um, but I threw myself into something that I loved and, and that I really wanted to do and that I wanted to make a career out of. And I was willing to work for free. Um, I, I worked for free. I didn't get paid to coach basketball until my fourth year when I was a GA at Fairmont State. Um I'd volunteered at Fairmont State showing up, you know, kind of around my job whenever I could um, my first year and then went to Arkansas Tech and saved a couple bucks um, and, uh, you know, slept on a camping pad and uh, got some great stories just from, from coming up and, and yeah. the stuff that you go through. And, and anytime you're starting to feel bad for yourself, hey, man, this is what you want to do. And right now, this is what you got to do to do it. Yeah. Um you know, I got paid at Charleston. I thought I was rich. I got paid three thousand dollars, <laughs> I think, for uh, doing all the laundry for the other sports other than football. Wow. Um, so, you know, spent a lot of time in this old 
laundry room and a gym that was built in the 1930s that, uh, you know, it certainly seen better days. And, uh, you know, that's what I had to do. I had to, I had to wash the volleyball uniforms and scrub the baseball uniforms to, to be part of the coaching staff at the university of Charleston. And so, um, the biggest lesson I've learned and the biggest thing that I've learned about myself is that when you fully give yourself up to something that, that you're going to get out of it so much more than you put into it. Um, yeah. And like I said, I wouldn't have learned that if I hadn't gotten into coaching. Coach, great stuff. Because it, ain't it funny how much we learn through struggles? I mean, it's just – yeah. and everybody listening can empathize or sympathize with that. or You know, it's just, man, struggling really stretches. I thought stretches I was going to learn, you know, matchup zones and presses <laughs> and, um, you know, X's and O's and yeah. great, great sets out of a one-four offense and, yeah. you know, all this stuff and, and – you know, I've learned a lot of basketball, and, and the great thing about being in Division Two is there's not many restrictions on what you can do. So as a volunteer, yeah. you can go recruit as long as you pass the, you know, now they're modules, but it used to be a recruiting test. Um, you know, you can help out on the floor. You can so so I I had to learn everything, and that's what I needed because I didn't play. So I had to learn the basketball stuff. But what yeah. I learned away from it was so much more, and uh, you know, it's a lesson that I try to share with our players um, as much as I can. Great stuff, Coach. Again, basketball is great. The sport is is a passion of mine uh, to teach it at times, to think I can still play it. Uh, but more than anything, people are the passion, learning how to, 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 to deal with people and help people and impact people. But also, what am I – what have got, I've gotten out of it? I think that's a, co- that's a coach's kind of reflection as well. It's like, what have, what have I, you know – obtained through all this what have I learned what have I you know what do I have to gain from continuing to do it and it's in those struggles and in those sacrifices and in those uh just you know valleys where you learn more about yourself and when you think about it you can go into almost I don't want to say any other you know uh sphere of life or arena in life as far as uh what you do for a vocation but you almost could and step in to be a leader right away and teach and uh, learn to grow more uh, of what you've learned in other people. So it's invaluable stuff, Coach. It's great. So, you know, I asked this question to everybody at the end of the podcast because I feel like everything you're talking about, Coach, leads to like some kind of legacy for people of who you are uh, because everybody sees us all through different lenses. And I would say, you know, when we work with players – uh, when we work with our the, the coaching staffs, with the programs, uh, you know, however that looks, uh, what legacy would you like to leave, Coach, when your career is all said and done? Uh, that's a, you know, that's something I haven't really thought a lot about. Um, and, you know, I, I guess I hope it'd be that as a coach and, and as a leader and as a mentor that, um, I gave our players, I gave the guys that that came through whatever program I was with, uh, whether as an assistant coach, head coach, whatever, um, that I gave them everything that I had, that I emptied the tank. Uh, wow. but, you know, I was consistent in my daily approach. I was consistent in my effort, my energy, um, that I listened, you know, uh, all of those things. And, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, you know, outside of basketball, I've got a ton of interests. And, uh, the one constant thing is that the, the things that really, that really 
catch my attention outside of basketball are are people and things that give everything they have to that. Um, you know, I'm a huge, like, I'm only 35 years old, but uh, I, I love, I, I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, the E Street band. Yeah. And, um, you know, their legacy, obviously, he's a great songwriter and, and is, you know, really um, had an unbelievable career. Uh, but the thing that I love about them the most is, is if you go see them in concert, that they give you everything they have um, for three, three and a half, sometimes upwards of four hours. These dudes are in their seventies, you know, and yeah. they're out there just giving everything you have. Um, you know, I love reading about great hitters in baseball and how much time they spend, uh, you know, studying their swing and studying the other pitcher and how they just empty the tank into, into however long their career is. Um, you know, great authors who get away and, and find whatever they got so they can empty the tank to write a great novel or a great book. Um, you know, so, so that's, I guess that would be the legacy that I want is that I gave everything I had, that I emptied my tank, um, every day for the people that, that, you know, were there for the players. And, uh, you know, I think the most important legacy as coaches that we can leave isn't, it's not our systems. It's, you know, John Wooden had a great, uh, you know, UCLA offense and the 2 2 1 press and all that. But I think he left a better legacy on how he impacted lives and, and how he molded men. Yeah. Um, and that's, those are our true trophies, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not the wins and, and the accomplishments and all that. It's, it's your players and, and how they contribute, you know, to the world, um, how they lead their family and uh, how they impact other people as, as they grow. So, um, you know, I, I hope, I hope my legacy can be something like that. Living trophies, coach. They're living trophies, like uh, Coach Sutton says, and and I find it so true now in my life. Uh, my kids are my living trophies, and my the former players. I love it. Empty the tank. You empty the tank yep. with people. I never heard that term, Coach, and I appreciate you sharing it because I'll probably put it on a shirt or something. Uh, and I and I do uh, I do just appreciate your time, man. I know. You know, just from listening to, to your story and your experience, it, you've seen some things, you've heard some things, and, and I know uh, God will honor you for that, man. I mean, that's everybody listening. The, the more you work for people and do for others, it'll get paid back to you in, in the greatest way, and it's not all done in vain, and it's done, you know, this is to encourage you and help you to understand that uh, you're not alone in this. And so, Coach, man, I really appreciate your time. I thank you for coming on, and I'm really glad that we got to do this. Thanks for having me, man. I look forward to staying in touch and, and listening to, um, you know, all the great guests that, that you've had. We'll continue to have. It's it's, it's a must-listen for me. Um, you know, you. every episode is, is something that I get from. I get my pen out, my notebook out, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, ready to learn. So I want to thank you for not just having me on, but for um, helping me develop you know, starting this summer and and, and moving forward. Fantastic. Thank you, Coach. Thank you for listening to the Creative Coaching Podcast. Know that you are appreciated. So please take the time to listen to us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. You can also follow us on Twitter at Creative Coach 47. Here again, 
Yeah, all of this I thank you for. Please leave a rating, subscribe, follow, leave feedback. Uh, this is your platform. So, you know, take ownership of it. And here again, you are appreciated. So thank you.